Swapman and Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am uh, not really excited, but I am I am here to discuss the Denver Nuggets losing to the Boston Celtics on Friday night. Final score 131-112. I gotta be honest, I'm not really bothered by this one. I've been thinking about this and thinking about okay, look, it's game 12. Where was Denver last year about this time? Well, they were kind of 500. They were floundering a little bit, not necessarily doing very well. And you're perfectly reasonable with 8-4 and four at this stage, especially, like, look, Denver lost to the Boston Celtics. They're 9-3. and three, They're 5-1 and one at home. Like, this is a good team. And Denver just doesn't match up well with Boston. So we'll talk about that. But I'm not really bothered. Denver, they, I think they curried favor over this last win that they had against Indiana. They weren't supposed to win that one, so they got that one done, and they earned one here. And you don't go 4-0 on every road trip. Like You could go 3-1 and and still win 60 games. I'm not really worried. On this podcast, we're going to talk about the starters, we're going to talk about the bench, and then we're going to talk about uh, the defense, the defensive problems that I think Denver is going to have especially against good teams that know how to break down weaknesses. In Denver, they have plenty of those, unfortunately. So, But let's start with the starters. I think Nikola Jokic had overall a very good game. 29 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. He did deal with foul trouble beginning of the third quarter. Uh, picked up his third foul, then picked up his fourth foul about 5 minutes into that third quarter. So it was kind of a similar story to that against Indiana. And unfortunately, Denver didn't win Jokic's minutes. That's the thing about Boston is they they know how to apply the pressure points. And Denver has a lot of those. They have a lot of weaknesses within their scheme. I think Jokic is one of those where he struggles to guard in space. And for the Celtics, their primary actions, especially with Al Horford, Grant Williams, smaller big men that can really pick and pop. Those guys space the floor. Those guys are going to get up some threes. And Al Horford hit six of eight threes, almost all of them, I'm pretty sure, with Jokic guarding him. And guarding, I think, is kind of a an overstatement on this one because Jokic is trying to recover in space and can't really get back out to a player like Horford. Horford isn't going to shoot six of eight from three every game, so I understand why Denver was in that coverage, but it didn't exactly stop Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. So I'm I'm a little bit concerned as to the coverage that they are really trying to apply there. But either way, Jokic on offense was very good. He didn't have to deal with Rob Williams on the Boston Celtics side, so it wasn't like it was their full complement of players. But Grant Williams, Al Horford, those guys are still really, really good defenders. So Jokic being able to do what he did, it's a good sign. It's very good. But him having three assists and Murray having 10, I think is pretty emblematic of Denver kind of getting a little bit out of whack in terms of how the shots were created and what they were supposed to be doing. Denver still put up 112 points, but it wasn't with the way that they like to play offense over the course of the first 11 games. In this game 12, Denver played a little bit differently, and as a result, they, they lost it. But, but Jokic was fine. Like, let's be honest, 29 points on 20 shots, 
you're going to take that. He only turned the ball over two times. Interestingly enough, those were the only two turnovers the Nuggets starting lineup had. And Denver as a team finished with just five turnovers. So it wasn't like Boston did anything crazy on the defensive side of the ball that really bothered Denver's offense. They did a couple things here or there, and I think Michael Porter had a bad shooting night, and we'll get to him really quick. But interestingly enough, like Denver's problem was just on the defensive end. We'll get to that in the third segment. I'm going to talk about Michael Porter a little bit with this with the bench uh, second segment here, but I will say he the first two shots that he had with the starters were very far off on the three-point side. Didn't really look comfortable out there. Though when he came back in with the bench unit, uh, two of the plays that he had, immediately he had some really nice baskets. Uh, one of them was kind of a half-court, uh, mid-range two, kind of uh, paint two, a little bit of a shot. And then he had a transition three-pointer, which looked very MPJ-esque. And so you you thought it would be a good game for him. As it turns out, it wasn't good. Jamal Murray, he had, I think, a subpar game tonight. I think it was probably closer to bad than it was to average for him. And this could just be the other side of, hey, he's been playing a lot of minutes. He probably needs a break here or there. He played a lot of minutes tonight. He only he got up 34 or 35 technically by the ESPN box score, which they're a little bit more accurate than mine. And it's not like he didn't do anything good. Like 10 assists and zero turnovers for Jamal Murray. That is a really, really impressive mark. Unfortunately, it did look like he was kind of bothered by the size and athleticism and defensive pressure that the Celtics applied to him. And then there were just times where he just didn't make a shots. And 6 of 17 for 14 points, took five threes, only made one, missed a free throw. Like He's probably got to be better in a game where Boston scores 131. You know that Denver's going to have to get scoring from somewhere. They got 17 points from Aaron Gordon. They got 29 from Jokic. Murray's going to have to be that guy, especially if MPJ puts up seven. So at this stage, I, I think we can kind of hold our horses a little bit on exactly how good Jamal Murray is looking right now. Because he's looking better. There's no doubt about it. Like the progress that he's making, there are some shots that he still makes that are very, very impressive. And he had a couple of nice drives to the rim tonight too. So it's not like it's not like it's crazy, but the consistency really isn't there quite yet. The shooting touch, he's definitely a work in progress on that. And it'll take some time, and that's fine. But the other side of the ball, he got switched out onto Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown a couple of times. Didn't really have that much success against those guys. He did force a couple misses from Tatum, especially on the perimeter, but uh, not really like – I don't see him being the problem defensively. I didn't see what he did defensively as an issue, but I'll have to go back and watch the clips and see if there was anything. But he was like kind of a just a bystander on the defense, not necessarily doing anything good, not necessarily doing anything bad, just – when the opposing team puts up 131, they, everybody's got to share some blame in that. KCP, uh, once again, really strong shooting performance. 15 points, 5 of 11 from the field, but 5 of 7 from 3. Missed all four of his two-pointers. And Denver's been running the play, like the curl screen action where they run the DHO 
with Jokic when he runs the pick and roll with Jamal, catches the ball, dribbles it over to the left side of the court, and KCP sprints out of the corner, gets the ball, and then rises up for a mid-range two. He has been going to the fadeaway a lot there, like not necessarily looking to drive, not necessarily like just kind of taking what the defense gives him, but they're willing to give him that long range too for a reason. So I wonder what he's shooting on that shot specifically and whether that's a, whether that's like a, an efficient half court shot or not. Cause if he's shooting over 50% on it, then great. Keep taking it. If not, then I'd like to see him mix in at least another couple of reads off of that. But overall, like, hey, he was like third quarter. Once again, Boston's pulling away. Obviously, it didn't manifest fully, but Boston's pulling away. KCP hits three threes in this in a brief span to keep Denver in it. And Denver was in it into the fourth quarter. So it's not like it's not like that wasn't th- those weren't garbage threes. Those were legitimate. We can still we can still win this kind of threes, which is a great sign. He's been doing that all year. I think he's shooting over like fifty four percent from three now. It's just absurd. And then Aaron Gordon, actually, well, we'll hold on. KCP's defense. It's it's hard to like. I don't want to blame KCP for Jalen Brown scoring. But like he was the primary matchup for a night where Jalen Brown hit his first ten shots in a row. So I'm not here to like say, okay, Jalen or like KCP got to be better defensively, got to do more uh, because sometimes a guy just gets hot and Jalen Brown has shown that propensity to get hot at various points where it doesn't matter how great the defense was. And and to be clear, Jalen Brown was just making some tough shots, especially early, but there are also some mix-ups in the coverage and I'd have to go back and kind of check who that was on specifically, but KCP was his primary matchup, and Jalen Brown had 25 points on 15 shots. So he's got to be better. Uh, Jalen Brown had 25, 8, and 8. So KCP's just got to be better in those one-on-one matchups. And then Aaron Gordon. I thought Aaron Gordon was pretty decent against Tatum. Not like Tatum still had a great night. He had 34 points, but he was 11 of 21 from the field. 10 of 11 from the free throw line, 2 of 7 from 3. It wasn't great. I thought that a lot of Tatum's baskets were with the bench units, where he's staggering with that second unit, not necessarily against against Gordon. There were some plays that Gordon probably could have been better on, but I thought Aaron Gordon overall had a pretty solid game. He had the play in the fourth quarter where the Celtics are rolling the ball up the floor Five minutes left in the game or so, they're rolling the ball just inch by inch, and Al Horford and Grant Williams are kind of setting this walking wedge screen while Tatum is rolling the ball up behind them. So they're trying to run out as much clock as they possibly can, which, look, it's it's BS. Like, that's, that's not something you want to do in a professional basketball game. Like, it's very much a kind of a Bush League thing. And so Aaron Gordon... I assume thinking the same thing, runs and just absolutely decks uh, Grant Williams. He runs through his shoulder while he's setting this screen, and they call a flagrant one on him, which I I understand the call. I get it. Like 
if Aaron Gordon's not really making a basketball play while he's running through that screen and it's pretty dangerous, then I understand it. But I like Aaron Gordon setting that tone. I like him running through that screen and not just like not wanting to be punked in that kind of situation. In his 30 minutes, the Nuggets were only minus four in a game they lost by 19. So he played pretty well. And in his minutes, the Nuggets, they found some success. 17 points, seven rebounds, three of them on the offensive end, two assists, zero turnovers, six of 10 from the field, one of two from three, four of six from the line. An efficient night for him, pretty solid, definitely not a problem at all. And yeah, he was just one of those guys that you got to be pretty happy with the effort that he put in. Uh, I, I was pretty happy anyway. Starters as a whole, not great. The starters with Bruce Brown were a little bit better in terms of their net rating and their defensive rating. I'll talk about those more in the third segments as opposed to like specifics and whatnot, but the starters with Porter were bad. The bench with Porter was bad. Porter had a really bad game. We'll talk about why on the other side. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Football is back and nobody is more excited than your friends at Superbook. They're bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands. And now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now. Start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Back, pickaxe and roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the program. As always, again, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. Uh, I heard a little birdie told me that uh, somebody mentioned me on the low post, which was pretty cool. Uh, Doris Burke, I got the shout out from her today. That was very nice. I had several people reach out both in the DMs and publicly, which was very cool. Uh, but yeah, if you're if you're looking to support the podcast, the best way to do it is to subscribe to this and just just post and tell people I'm I'm doing a good job. So either way, let's talk about this bench unit. Another bad day for the bench. Another uh, pretty subpar outing for a number of reasons. Now, Bones didn't play. Bones is in health and safety protocols. Looks like he's got COVID. He tweeted out before the game. uh, Basically, you've got to be kidding me. That's a bad sign. That's something where if you're in health and safety, he's probably not going to play against Chicago, which is a game that you probably want him for. But Denver's going to be in an interesting situation without him where you've got Bruce Brown kind of doubling as your backup point guard. Bruce Brown played 37 minutes tonight. He played 37 minutes tonight. Basically, he came in at the six-minute mark in the first quarter and closed until the first half. Then he came in at the seven-minute mark in the first quarter and closed the game from there. It's pretty tough. That is a pretty tough rotation to give 
And, I mean, I thought he did it reasonably well. 16 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. The 10 rebounds and 5 offensive rebounds, that's good hustle. You like to see that. That's definitely a good thing. 6 assists, honestly, like, it's hard to really top that from the from the backup point guard position anyway. So, I will say, the bench lineup kind of devolved into Bruce Brown pick and rolls, Bruce Brown isos for much of it. And the fact that Michael Porter could not get up more than 10 shots, I think is a large concern. I don't consider that a Bruce Brown problem. I consider it a Michael Porter problem. And we'll get to him here real quick. But either way, Bruce Brown, he has so many different roles for this Nuggets team. He was the guy that they had on Jason Tatum for much of the night. Uh, Even like sometimes it was Gordon, sometimes it was Brown. He spent some time on Jalen Brown. He was playing backup small forward, power forward, or not power forward, but backup shooting guard, backup point guard for a lot of this game. And he just has so many things that he has to do. And I don't blame him for kind of struggling at any one point in this game, but him having six assists to one turnover, that's a pretty good sign, at least from an offensive standpoint. The problem is the defense, and I don't think he had a good defensive game. I think that he got blown by a couple times. There were some really great defensive plays that he made where, J- where Jason Tatum just made the shot. There was a, a floating bank shot that Jason Tatum had over a a strong Bruce Brown contest that, like, you just got to tip your cap. There's nothing you can do about it. I think Tatum and Brown have really leveled up to the point where Tatum's a legit top 10 player. He might be a top five player at this point. And Jalen Brown, I think, is bordering on all NBA. Those guys are fantastic. And there's a reason why Boston's nine and three, even without Rob Williams. They've got two legit pillars on their team. Brown has to be able to take away one of those guys, or at least make life difficult for one of those guys. I don't think he did that. However, his responsibilities were pretty strong tonight, so it's not like I blame him for it. MPJ, in a game the Nuggets lost by 19, MPJ was a minus 24 in 25 minutes. That means that they were plus 5 in the other 23 minutes that he didn't play. Now, there was some garbage time there, but uh, the garbage time lineup was minus one in two minutes. So actually, in the 21 minutes that MPJ and non-garbage time didn't play, or they those guys didn't play, the team was a plus six. So they found some success in those other combinations where you have especially the starters plus Bruce Brown, you had a lineup that featured Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic out there. There was a bench group at times that featured, I think Christian Brown was out there for an extended period. Let me let me just look at the rotation chart here real quick. Oh no, MPJ for most of the time, he was out there. Uh, there was a lineup that featured Murray, KCP, Brown, Gordon, and Jeff Green after Nikola Jokic got into foul trouble. And that was fine. It wasn't great. Like they, they still survived during that time. But I think the larger point has to be that Michael Porter just really struggles against the Boston Celtics. Like there's a lot of reasons why for that. He struggles to get off clean shots. And when he did tonight, uh, they were wide in a lot of cases. 
He struggles to make defensive impact plays. Only had four defensive rebounds in 25 minutes, which is it's a reasonable number, but it's not like anything crazy. And I do think the fact that Denver can't use him to defend one of Tatum or Brown, it really limits some of their lineups. They're always compromised in a lot of these different situations defensively with him out there. Because when he's chasing around Sam Hauser or Peyton Pritchard or uh, Grant Williams, guys like that, sometimes he gets lost. Sometimes he doesn't and does a pretty decent job. And I don't really think – like it's hard for me to blame him individually for Denver's defensive issues. Because even in lineups when he wasn't out there, Denver was mostly struggling defensively. But the two lineups that did play with him a ton – the starters, and then the bench plus MPJ lineups were horrible defensively. So there is some connection there. You probably just need to have five guys all on the same pathway and having the same level of focus. But then you watch and I'm like, I mean, I don't think MPJ was that bad. So it's tough. I think he's in a tough position where he has to carry that bench unit in a lot of ways, but he just doesn't know how. And I don't think the Nuggets know how yet either, where you can't just feed him the ball in the post because there was a play that he dribbled into a post-up against Peyton Pritchard, who's the smallest guy on the court. And Porter dribbles into that post-up, kind of gets to the the 10 to 12 feet range, and then turns around and turns it into a 16 to 17-foot turnaround fadeaway against the smallest guy on the court. That's not good offense. That's not great. Nobody else touched the ball in that possession, and it wasn't even close. I think Denver should probably try to work in some plays where he does get the ball about 10 to 12 feet from the basket, and then he has to either turn, face, and shoot over a guy, or he has to be willing to drive. Because if he's not willing to drive, then he's so limited from that spot. So there are going to be some growing pains here. There are going to be some times where he looks good. There are going to be some times where he looks horrible. And he looked mostly horrible tonight. But it is game 12 for him too. Like I have to keep checking myself because with Murray, I can understand game 12, uh, ACL tear. It's a tough road to recovery. Nobody's expecting him to be like great immediately. And he's not. With Porter, he came back and he looked almost identical to when he left. So games like this, where this was really his only truly bad game that he's had so far, it's abnormal. But I do think that this is kind of the second kind of bad one in a row. The Lakers game, he was also not great. So there are definitely some times where he has to be better. The bench lineup is not doing him any favors. Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan. That lineup is not doing him any favors at all. It's not doing anybody any favors at all. It's why Bones sometimes looks bad. I do think that Denver has to, like I've talked about this before, they have to change something up, but let's talk about DeAndre Jordan. Nine minutes tonight, all nine of those in the first half. And actually, was it? Nine minutes in the first? Yeah, no, he didn't play in the second half. He played an eight-minute stretch 
from the first to the second quarter, and then he closed in the last like 45 seconds or so to save Jokic from a third foul, of which he still got two early fouls in the third quarter anyway, but c'est la vie. DeAndre Jordan was horrible tonight. It was just horrible. His main responsibility is to rebound, and he grabs zero. It's not like the Celtics were missing a bunch of shots. Jordan did block a shot. That did happen. But the play that everybody is going to be memeing over the course of these next few months here, where Denver gives up like six offensive rebounds on one possession, two or three of them to Peyton Pritchard, the smallest guy on the court. And DeAndre Jordan just looks hapless during that stretch. Just looks like he doesn't care. And he's trying to grab the ball. The the most time that he's fighting for that basketball is when he's fighting his teammate in Michael Porter for the rebound. And then he loses control of it or loses contact with it and doesn't really see the defender coming around on his on behind him who steals it and just lays it up. That led to a Michael Malone rage timeout, and I can definitely understand it. It was the worst play of DeAndre Jordan's time in Denver. No doubt. So, Zeke Nagy didn't play until the final two minutes of the game. It would not surprise me against the Chicago Bulls if Zeke played, because I think they play with Derek Jones Jr. as their backup center. They just basically go small all across the board and space it out. Zeke is going to have to play that game. There is no reason to play DeAndre Jordan after what he did. Like, no, like no doubt. Like you have to keep guys accountable in that situation. If you're asking for effort, you have to hold guys accountable with playing time, especially in that situation. So I do think that Malone should probably set an example here that this is the time to do it. If it doesn't happen and DeAndre Jordan's out there, then we'll know that Zeke is definitely in the doghouse. There's there's no doubt about it if that's true. Jeff Green had a couple of good plays tonight. Uh, he had a couple of drives to the basket off of like, like attacking gaps in a defense where there was one play with the bench. This was actually a really nice design where Bruce Brown sets a screen for Jeff Green, who's handling the basketball on the, the, left, uh, the left slot, basically. Sets the screen. Jeff Green gets downhill, finishes over the top of the defense. It's just a very smart play, a very understandable action, coherent action, and a good way to use Jeff Green. Now, it's hard to, like, Jeff was a minus 12 tonight, like pretty much everybody else. It's not like he had a great game, seven points, two rebounds, two assists, two of four from the field, zero threes, three of three from the free throw line. I can't point to him. Kind of like Porter, I can't point to him and be like, oh yeah, you were bad like in this game. I actually think he was fine. I actually think he was pretty reasonable. And I did like the bench center minutes that he played. I thought that there were some good opportunities there where Denver could close the gap. And a lot of it was because they could switch everything. And Jeff was doing a good job with that. It's something that I think they should probably go back to at some point. Like if I'm, if I'm assuming that Denver's fully healthy, then my bench lineup heading into Chicago 
would be Bones, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Jeff Green. It wouldn't include either of Zeke Naji or DeAndre Jordan. Jeff is better at the five at this point, I think, than he is the four. I'm not sure if that bears out from the numbers, but it certainly bears out from the eye test. He is better when he's basically forced to rebound, and he's in a stretch five, a switching five kind of situation. He's pretty good like that, I think. But either way, like not a great game for him, in my opinion, but actually, no, I'm, I'm changing on the spot. It was a fine game. It was a fine game from Jeff. Definitely not a problem at all. Like if I point to anything, that's the problem. It's definitely not him. And kind of the same with Christian Brown. 14 minutes for Christian Brown. I think he probably could have played even more. Didn't really take a ton of shots, at least not to memory. Yeah, he only took one shot, but he made it tonight. Two points, two assists, two rebounds, minus seven in his 13 minutes. Hard to really complain. At one point, he was the only guy with rebounds on the bench outside of Bruce Brown. DeAndre Jordan finished with zero. Jeff Green finished with two. It's pretty bad. It's It's a pretty bad sign for Denver's bench that they are not able to rebound the basketball, but a lot of it, honestly, was because, I'm, I'll share this again in the third segment, but the Celtics had a 156 offensive rating against Denver's primary bench unit tonight. It didn't play a ton, but it played enough, and at that point, they just got shellacked. Christian Brown should probably play more, though. I don't think it was him. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about defense against bad teams versus good teams and how I think tonight really shapes that narrative. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in let's wrap this up by talking about the defense i know i've talked about it a lot but it is the main character in today's game 131 points allowed and i gotta tell you like i mean it it could have been worse in not necessarily tonight but i think it was masked a lot by some bad competition that the nuggets have played over the last two weeks or so because before tonight On cleaning the glass, the Nuggets were ranked fourth in defensive rating in the past two weeks. They had like a 108 defensive rating. It's pretty solid. A lot of teams not necessarily defending a whole bunch right now, but Denver, they had some good good plays. They had some good wins. Uh, They did some good stuff against San Antonio at times. They did some good stuff in different matchups. I think against OKC, they had a pretty good matchup too. But I think what we're seeing now, and we will continue to see it as Denver faces better and better offenses going forward, the differences between a great offense and a bad offense. The Celtics are a great offense. They know what they're doing. They have a strong formula that works. And against Denver, they have a formula that works even better, where you've got a pick-and-pop style big in Al Horford who spaces Nikola Jokic out, makes him cover in space. And Jokic, for 
like all that he can do kind of as an interior defender where he's rebounding and getting deflections in there and uh, doing a good job of walling off the paint sometimes. Not necessarily all the time, but when Denver rotates reasonably well, they can have a strong defense. Not against the Celtics. The Celtics took advantage of them. They applied pressure to all of Denver's pressure points tonight. And so what are Denver's pressure points defensively? What am I talking about here? Nikola Jokic in space is one of Denver's biggest issues. It has been for the last several years. And it's not really something they're ever going to really be able to help. But it is true that Jokic in space definitely struggles. Boston made MPJ work tonight. They made him think overtime. Definitely some actions that he didn't really catch up to. And as a result, were like he was kind of behind the play. I did think, honestly, that when Tatum and Brown, when they isolated against Porter, they didn't do that well. Now, Porter did have a flagrant one foul against Tatum for kind of undercutting his three-point space, which was a legit foul. And that definitely, like, okay, maybe not a flagrant because I don't think he was, like, it wasn't a flagrant thing, but. He did foul Tatum and wasn't giving him enough space to land. But him working and in rotation is not as good as if he's just uh, defending in isolation, I think. Denver's rim protection, especially in drop coverage, that's more Jokic, but it's also DeAndre Jordan. Like, he doesn't move very well and... When he's in drop coverage, he actually struggles to guard the rim as well. It's not necessarily just a Jokic thing. It can be a DeAndre Jordan thing too. But it definitely is a Jokic thing in general. Because Jokic is going to be on the court for much of the time. And teams know that if they get him on an island, they can drive the gaps. They can drive to the rim. And it's hard for him to take any of it away, really. And then I think Murray and Bones are two guys that can be taken advantage of too. Bones obviously didn't play tonight, but Murray didn't really offer much resistance in this particular matchup, which, understandable. Like, I get it. Played a bunch of minutes tonight. He's been playing a lot of minutes lately. Would not surprise me if Murray sat at some points, but he's probably not going to be able to sit in, in Chicago. That's for sure. So those are the pressure points. And Boston, I think, applied pressure to all of those in different ways. Al Horford, Grant Williams, when they were guarded by Jokic, they would set screens and they would stick above the three-point line. Or they like kind of hover down to the two, like the free throw line and Jokic had to drop in and make sure to wall off the paint. Couldn't get back out to the pick and pop jumper. It was pretty consistent. Michael Porter struggled. I think DeAndre Jordan struggled and Murray struggled. So those are kind of the pressure points right now. And it is yielding some really bad numbers. Denver played three lineups tonight, at least five minutes. So this kind of combines for about 30 minutes of the 48. The starters plus Bruce Brown for Michael Porter was the most played lineup tonight of just 13 minutes. It had a 117.9 defensive rating. The starters by themselves, only played 11 minutes. They played the first six minutes of the first quarter and the first five minutes of the third quarter. They didn't close in either the second or the fourth. 
139.5 defensive rating. Nearly 140. That is a lot. That's a lot of problems. It's hard to make up for that number on the offensive end. Like Denver has shown the ability to at times, but they clearly didn't have it to that level tonight. So they had to lock in defensively, and they just really couldn't. But the killer was the bench lineup with MPJ. Six minutes, 155.6 defensive rating. It's brutal. Just absolutely brutal. So what this really means to me is that those are Denver's primary groups. Those are always going to be Denver's three most played lineups. The starters, Bruce Brown in for Michael Porter, and then the bench lineup with Michael Porter out there too. Those are going to be the groups. So Denver's going to have to find a way to make those lineups more viable defensively against some of these good teams. Can they play different coverages? Can they play, like, can they kind of switch up the assignments a little bit? Like, have certain guys guarding different players? That's probably not it. They probably need to make some more subs. And if you're just thinking about the starters, you can't really sub the starters out. Like, those are just going to be your guys that you have to trust. So Denver can walk that back a little bit. Like, 139.5 offensive rating really isn't sustainable, even for a team like Boston that's really good. So what I would think is that if Denver can get that number back down to like 120 with the starters, they can score 125 in terms of their offensive rating. They can do that. What really has to happen is Denver's got to find bench units that aren't going to hemorrhage points. And DeAndre Jordan, not a great matchup against the Celtics. I can almost guarantee, like, I would be shocked if DeAndre Jordan played against the Celtics when they came to town. I have to imagine that's more of a Zeke Naji game because you can switch with him and he can reasonably guard on the perimeter against guys like Tatum and Brown. In addition, you get Bones back. And maybe that helps the offense, which in turn helps the defense a little bit. But in terms of short-term solutions, I think Christian Brown has to play more. I think Bruce Brown and Christian Brown should play together. That way you have two good perimeter defenders on the floor with your second unit. And then they're just going to add to the hustle factor. Like Bruce Brown's going to hustle. Christian Brown's going to hustle. I'm not sure that like if you take one of Jeff Green or DeAndre Jordan off the floor and you have Michael Porter out there at the four, I think you're going to get a better defensive lineup, which that might sound counterintuitive to Michael Malone, where you're either taking out a rim protector or you're taking out a veteran and you're putting in a rookie. But I honestly think it makes logical sense. And I'm going to hammer this point home until we see it, because I think Michael Porter can be better at the four with this bench group than I think he is at the three. And Denver, they just, like, the Jeff Green-DeAndre Jordan combo, I'll wait to post the two-man net ratings, but I'm going to be very surprised if that one is a positive net rating. I think that one is very likely, the Jeff Green-DeAndre Jordan unit, to be close to a minus 15 in terms of net which is not a good lineup. So 
Denver's got some things to figure out. I know it was tough without Bones out there, but they're going to have to figure this stuff out on the fly because you've got Chicago on Sunday, and they're a good team too. They're a good team. So we will see what Denver can do, but I'm not really stressed about this game. This is one of those where you learn from it, you understand what worked and what didn't, and it could be a good teaching moment for your team that some of these things matter. Some of these things are going to have to improve, and you can't just approach games the same way that you approached them against Indiana. You got to ratchet up the intensity. You got to ratchet up the focus. We'll see. That's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back on Sunday night after the Nuggets-Bulls game. We should have a good one to discuss there. The Bulls always play the Nuggets tough, so don't be surprised if Chicago wins. Hopefully Denver can figure that one out, though. That'll be great. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys for soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.